Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. Good morning, afternoon, and evening, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of It's All About the Questions. So excited to have you here because, you know, I love to ask questions. And if it's your first time listening, now you know I love to ask questions. But the beauty of questions is that if you ask questions to get the answers you want, not just the answers you need, how you can completely transform your life, your business, and everything that's happening in it. I love the idea that... If you ask the right person the right question, how things, how your perspectives can change tremendously. And I met my guest today when I spoke shortly after my mom passed away. I'd been asked to speak at an ISACA conference in Fort Lauderdale on women in tech and cybersecurity. And they had asked me to speak about the power of questions and honor my mom from the stage. And the speaker, the guest that I have on my show today was one of the... Um, speakers at the event and she just blew me away not only because of her expertise on her topic of cybersecurity, but because of who she is as a person the moment I met her you can almost feel the energy of her and her authenticity and who she is as a person in the world so I had to have her on the show and we finally put it together to have her here my guest today is Dr. Chanel Suggs which um, it's easy for me to remember her name because Chanel is my favorite uh, perfume that my mom had given me, Chanel Number no. 5. So it just, there's lots of um, links there. She is also known as the Duchess of Cybersecurity, and we're going to get into that. She actually trademarked that. She's the founder and CEO of Wyvern Security here in uh, Florida, in Orlando. She, Dr. Shuggs has so many certifications from the NSA, the CNSSI. I mean, there's so many government agencies that she has worked with for over 15 years to help secure them. She is an ethical hapter. She's involved in cryptography. She's a professor. Um, she, her background is so extensive, we're not even going to go into it. Up on my website, you'll have all of that information. Just, Chanel, welcome to the show. Thank you. It um, is an honor. It's really exciting to have you here because I, I remember when we first met and you walked in and over to the table that all the speakers were sitting at, I was just like, this is an interesting woman. (laughs) (laughs) And it was just something about the way you held yourself. And I had done some research on the other women that were going to be speaking at the event. So I'd read your background and I'm like, wow. She looks way too young to have that much experience <laughs> and not have all that, you know, when you're in cybersecurity, it's such a high stress position. And yet you did not seem stressed at all. And I thought that I was really cool. Fun. Do you? Yes. So how did you get involved with cybersecurity? Well, when, one of the things that encouraged me to actually get into cyber was 9-11. One thing that a lot of people don't know about me is I was actually pre-med. So I was actually in the RN classes because this is how I was going to put myself through medical school when 9-11 happened. So as you know, there was 2,977 people that was actually killed on that day. Now, there was rumors that it was actually images that appeared on the computer screens illustrating planes crashing into the Twin Towers. This is one of the things that made me really interested in cyber because I wanted to learn more about how to prevent attacks. 
So one another thing that people don't know about me is I'm also a ABD at George Mason University as well. So I have one doctorate, but I started another one prior to, and I'm not sure if I'm going to finish it, but when I was attending George Mason, this actually gave me more insight into security protocol analysis, you know, different ways that you can look at things and as well as assess them. It, so everything that I've done over the years, I've kind of packed more and more on top of it. So you were pre-med and switched yes. over to something that doesn't really, it involves people, <laughs> but on a completely different level. That's a huge shift. Well, yes. See, whenever you're doing the medical field, one thing that you have to endure is you lose patience. And when I was doing my clinicals, as well as my physician shadowing shadowing hours, I lost patience. And I lost three patients in one week that was actually a nursing home. I'm a very compassionate person, and I get to know my clients quite well, especially those that I'm taking care of as a nurse and as a future physician. And at that point, I felt like I would prefer to work on computers and networks because those are things that can die, but I can always bring them back. (laughs) (laughs) Which, that actually has new meaning in the days of cybersecurity and ransomware that so often you can't bring them back, or at least people think they can't bring them back. Well, people think that they can't bring them back, but if you if you actually take a system and you look hard enough within, for example, the, the drive that they're using, or you actually go back and do the, ne- the necessary forensics into those systems, there is, it's very possible for you to bring that data back. A program that people often use is InCase. And, you know, it's, I think it's more about understanding where you can actually find this information. You can't just sit back and say, oh, okay, my system blew up and it's all is lost and it's over. No, actually it's not over. If you're trying to get your data back, there is people, there's experts out there that can help you to get all this information back and recover it. It's just about knowing how to. I watch Grey's Anatomy. (laughs) Do you watch Grey's Anatomy? I don't. I've been working on getting back around to it, but honestly and truly, I watch TV, but I don't have a lot of time to watch TV because then, as you know, the Duchess of Cybersecurity, I have to stay up to date on the things that's going on in the world. And since that's a real big fact for me, I'm always still looking at certifications. I'm still reading a lot of books. I read a lot of articles. I'm trying to keep myself um, knowledgeable to the things that are out there in the world. Because I have so many people that I mentor. I also have universities that's always asking me questions. They want my guidance, my advice. And if it's not universities, it's my clients. So I always have to be in the know. So when it comes to watching TV and stuff like that, I have to keep it to a limit. Well, the the last week's episode of Grey's Anatomy, the hospital gets hacked. And mm. the the threat people, they go in the ransomware. They want $20 million in, oh, in wow. bitcoins. And then they they shut down the hospital, they shut down the AC, um, lock the doors to the blood banks, everything, you know. And I was thinking about you because we were preparing, you know, I was preparing for this interview. And they had a guy there who was a resident in the hospital, which is so funny. He left the cyber world because he hacked a federal agency so he's not allowed to touch computers <laughs> so he went into medicine but then they got hacked and surreptitiously he had to basically break the hack because the FBI was there and they wanted to track the guy down and instead the the head of the hospital said just get my data back and and of course he did and it made me think of you oh Be- 
<laughs> now you know I have to watch that episode, right? It was it was <laughs> a really it, it was a really good episode, but it was fascinating because here was a, a cyber guy becoming a doctor, and you were going to be a doctor, and you became a cyber cyber guy. But I, what I thought of um, Chanel was you're hel- you're still helping people. Well, when I first started in this field, there was no one there to help me. So I started, I'm about to tell my age here, okay? <laughs> so I was in the doing pre-med stuff in 2002. Um, 2002 is also when I wrote at um, University of Wilmington. So I was actually going to two schools at the same time. I was doing RN program at Southeastern, which is 45 minutes from my house, and I drove another hour to UNCW because it was farther down because I was actually living in Robinson County. So to do all of this, it was like, you know, it got to be very, I guess, um, strenuous sure. <laughs> at a point in time, trying to do all of these things at once. I kind of lost my train of thought there. I'm sorry. That, that's okay. Hey, it happens to all of us, right? And, and then you're on the radio and it's live. But that's live radio. That's half the fun. So, yeah, well, that's true. Yeah. So you were talking about setting your age, showing your age. and Okay. Got it? Yes. So... When I, women. So when I first, when I started out doing this, when I started trying to actually look into the field, I ended up having to take a funny thing, intro to computer class. It was a requirement as an elective. So I took this class and I fell in love with it. And this was also the exact same time that 9-11 happened. So when I did this, I met this um, dean of computer science at UNCW. He actually took me under his wing to try to show me the way after I had been there for a year. I guess he wanted to see if I was really truly interested in the field. So I had to prove myself, which is fine. But after a year of being there and being a much older student on the, at that university because I was already married with two kids while I was actually doing this. So spending time there learning how to do assembly code and all this good stuff, students going away on spring breaks and they give me keys to the lab because I'm always on campus. You know, so at the end of the day, when I look back at all this now, I'm actually 42, about to be 43 in July. And a lot of the things that I've attained as far as my certifications and my degrees, I obtained two master's degrees while I was finishing my doctorate from different different universities. So (laughs) So you're a typical (laughs) underachiever, right? (laughs) Yeah, right? Yeah. Well, to be honest, I lost my brother in 2012 on April 19th. So I'm one of those people that when something knocks me down, and this knocked me down really hard, because I lost my brother as well as six additional people in less than three months. So when all this stuff happened, I had to take a look back at myself. This is where I took a break from George Mason University because I could not focus anymore. So after taking a year off from everything that I was doing, because I lost my brother, then I lost my grandmother, my two aunts the week of my birthday. I lost my cousin that was investigating my brother's murder. He was a detective. Um, He was going down at the local Dairy Queen in my hometown. I lost my uncle, and then I lost my bro- my um, father-in-law. So That's all this happened from April to July. That's a lot so of we, loss. Yes. So I had to take a step back from things, and I ran into someone that was actually at Cisco that she was actually going to Capital Technology University. So I talked to her, and I ended up enrolling there in their master's program. Then I was in a doctorate program. So I ended up doing my master's there as well as my doctorate. And at the same time, I completed an MBA at Keller. As well as earning, I earned three certifications um, that year of graduation. 
So now everybody will understand why I didn't list out all of your <laughs> your your doctorates, your masters, your certifications. I mean, the list just goes on and on and on. Um, Chanel, Doctor Suggs, um, we're we're, we're I, about I to go. I throw myself into the work to. I throw myself into work to get past the things that are going on, and that's where all this came from. <laughs> but you've it's an escape. You, you've taken an extreme loss and turned it into extreme good. Yes, and that is something that is is important for everybody to hear. That at some point you make a choice after loss of you stay in the loss or you figure out how to move forward and you you were listening to your calling. I mean, this was really a cybersecurity is really a calling for you versus medicine. Yes. And I, I got to tell you, I love binary. <laughs> <laughs> I love binary. I love hex. And I definitely love crypto. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, I I love it because I have a degree in um, computer science as well. But back from the early 80s, I'm showing my age, I'm 54. And you mentioned assembly. Oh, you didn't look like it. When I met you, you did not look like it. So you're good. (laughs) Thank you so much. I appreciate that. But, you know, you're talking about assembly code and all these other things. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember those days. But I can't believe they're still teaching that now with everything else. They are, but... You got to think about it. They're still teaching it because it's the underlying underlining programming code. This is the assembly language is what a lot of hackers are using in order to get in the system. Yeah, I love it. I thought it was the most brilliant thing ever. We're going to be right back with more from Dr. Chanel Suggs, the Duchess of Cybersecurity, founder and CEO of Wyvern Security, and um, just a fascinating woman. We'll be right back. Success comes from not only what you know, but also who you know. Welcome back to It's All About the Questions with award-winning author, Laura Stewart. So, Chanel, we were talking about callings and things like that just before the commercial break. I, I want to ask you this question. So, you, this is a calling for you. We know that. It's very obvious by everything you've talked about. Is that how you got to the Duchess of Cybersecurity? I mean, that's a pretty cool handle. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, it is, because when you look at everything that I have, all of my my background, the certifications, you look at the degrees, my experience, it kind of makes me look like a chameleon because I can fit into any situation. And the reason why I say that is because you look at how I structured everything. I have computer science. I have network security. I have project management so I can know the nuances. I have my MBA. I have information assurance. I have the cybersecurity. And, of course, you know, when you bundle this all in, that means that I'm the type of person that you can bring in to any situation you have under IT, cybersecurity, programming, and I can provide you with a solution. When I used to work for quite a few Fortune 500 companies, they used to call me the problem solver. Because no matter what was going on, and that was before I actually finished everything that I have right now, because no matter what was going on, they knew that I would work hard to figure out a solution, and typically I provided it within 45 minutes or less. So how did you get the handle of Duchess of Cybersecurity? Did somebody start calling you that, or it just hit you one day that that's a name for you? People started calling me that. I, when I, I didn't realize it until... My daughter was 10. She's 19 now. <laughs> so nine years ago, it started out, funny thing, over the foster, what is it called, the 
I'm trying to think of the movie. Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends. There is actually a duchess on there. And the duchess walks around and she's dressed up and she always has, sometimes you see her with a martini glass. Okay, I do love my martinis. And my daughter was like, she was like, she's just like the duchess. She's walk, walk, you know, walk around and she knows her, she knows her, I know my, I know my skills. I know how to handle things. And before long, it was like I would hear people at different companies that I was working with. I'm not sure if they just caught on. They started calling me the Duchess. And then there was names like, oh, she's a, she is a, the crypto girl. Some people called me the crypto nut. <laughs> and then before long, it just kind of spanned out. Like two years ago, um, I was working with another person for another client. And he was just like, oh, you're the Duchess of Cybersecurity. And I looked at him and was like, where did you get that from? He said, look at you. I mean, seriously, you are. You walk into a boardroom and everybody stops. You can tell them exactly what's going on, and you don't have a problem if it's all men. And no, I don't, because I feel like we're equal. It doesn't matter if you are male, a, a male or a female. At the end of the day, if you can walk into a room, you can hold your own, be confident, know your stuff, and explain it to everyone regardless of the level that they are, and they give a grasp understanding, you're good. That's an important point for my listeners to get out there you know the the whole me too movements going on everybody's talking about the woman versus man thing it it's a confidence thing and knowing what you know but there are other aspects to it we know that it, w- you and i've both spent most of our life in male dim- dominated industries you know i owned a tech company for 15 years a multi-state tech service company back when there were like three women who did it <laughs> Yeah, like women weren't doing what I did when I when I did it. And it's a confidence thing. And I'd, I'd like to talk about that a little bit more because you do when you walk into a room. I noticed it when you walked in that day at the event. You have a certain confidence level. I don't necessarily think it's a confidence in what you know. I felt like it was a confidence in who you are. I understand where you're coming from. It's the fact that I believe in myself. And I know that no matter what's going on, I'm always going to provide 150% for whatever I'm going towards. I know that I have a lot of women that look up to me. And also men as well because I do mentor both. And so I try to make sure that I provide the very best that I can, that I can each and every day, no matter where I am, no matter if I'm teaching a class, or if I'm just out in public speaking with someone, even when I'm out, for example, just going to physicians' offices because I was speaking with someone recently, I give them guidance on the best ways that they can handle things. And it's it's not that I think I'm I'm brilliant. It's just the fact that I'm willing to help anyone that needs assistance. It doesn't matter who you are. You do a lot of we mentoring. All have to start somewhere. You you do a lot yeah. of mentoring <laughs> of other women in in the yes. field. Why do you do that? I do that because. When, okay, let me give you an example of something that happened two years ago. I can't say the university because I don't want anybody to say I was trying to slander them. Okay, <laughs> but I, I understand um, that. There was, <laughs> there was a female that approached me because I know her mom, um, and she was telling me that she was going through some issues. She was enrolled in computer science. The advisor of this university told her that she needed to look into another field that was outside of IT because she is a woman. And this is supposed to be a lot harder. And she was crying and explaining to me that she can't get any assistance to help her map her classes out. No one was willing to even talk to her, and they just kept pushing her behind. And she was selling her classes. So I tutored her, and I helped her set her classes up for the rest of that year so she wouldn't have any problems. 
So as of this past spring, she's actually graduated with her computer science degree. That's awesome. Yes. Thank you. It's so important for students to have mentors, whether you're a male student or a female student, to have a mentor that is willing to help guide you through the, the process. What are some of the biggest questions that you pose to your mentee that you're helping through to help them get through it and know that they're on the right path? I like to know what is their goal. So at the end of the day, what do you want to be and what do you see? So when you look in the mirror, tell me the type of person that you feel that you are. And if there's anything negative there, I want to know why you see that negativity because we're going to work through it. So while I work with them through that, then we turn around and we grasp the idea of their future plans and what they really want to go after. When they start doing that, we start looking at the types of universities they can enroll in, the certifications, and try to get them an idea of the requirements they would need for the positions that they want. And how I do this is we look at the companies they want to work for and look at the type of requirements they're having for the positions that they're interested in. Then you turn around and you actually map this to your overall career goal. I love it. It's it's getting and this applies whether you're going to college or in out in the world today working. Yes. It's thinking through all the different pieces and saying, I love the part that you said, Chanel. What does that company need? Like, so do you have the skills? If you don't, and you really want to work there, okay, let's go get them. Exactly. Most people don't it's think not. about that. They're just like, oh, I've got whatever they need. Well, maybe you don't. There's a, a level. I'm guessing from what you're saying of you can be confident, but you can't just say, yeah, I have everything and and have the complete opposite of what they want and then be upset when they don't hire you. Exactly. Because at the end of the day, when you go in and meet with these clients, you got to be able to answer questions that they ask you in the interview. So you may be confident, but if you don't know these answers, you're not going to get a job. So you have to know your stuff and know it well. I have interviewed a lot of candidates for positions, and when I ask questions, you know, I want to, I'm gauging your level of experience and making sure that you can perform the job that I need you to perform. And that's where we're going to end as we go into national news. We'll be right back with more from Dr. Chanel Suggs. Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. Welcome back, everyone. We are here with Dr. Chanel Suggs, uh, founder of Wyvern Security and the Duchess of Cybersecurity. If you're just joining us live on iHeartRadio, welcome back. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you're listening on the podcast, always great to have you here. And this was instantaneous. You didn't have to listen to the national news. So Chanel, we were, we've been talking about sort of how you got involved with the industry, how you've navigated this world of um, cybersecurity as, as a woman, but not even just as a woman, but as somebody who has so many certifications, it takes up pages and pages of any um, curriculum vitae that you put out there. I'd like to shift things a little bit and give my listeners some advice from you on things that they can do to begin to protect themselves. The Equifax breach was something that affected approximately half of the people in the U.S. And I still have people who don't even understand what that means. 
to themselves that their data may be out there on the dark web. They don't understand the dark web. They don't know even the basics of what to do to protect themselves. I had um, Dr. Stephanie Carter on, who also spoke when you and I spoke, and she's like, change your passwords, people. <laughs> don't yes, use the don't same... write them down on paper. Oh, my God. And, and I can't tell you how many listeners were like, oh, so we shouldn't use the same password everywhere? Oh, my God. <laughs> no, you should not. Because once one is breached, they have access to everything. And they just don't understand it. And their passwords are not as many people are using password that listen to my show anymore because having been in the tech world, I constantly reiterate that to them. But there's still this feeling by a lot of people that it's not going to happen to them. What do you say to that? It will happen, and it probably already has. The reason why I say that is because there's a lot of companies that have been breached, and they're not coming. They're not forthcoming about what has happened. Like for example, we look at Uber. They try to keep it hidden, and they didn't come out and actually announce this until it was actually revealed, and they had no choice to actually let everyone know. So it took law enforcement basically to step in and say, "We know you were. You need to let your, let all the clients know." So if you think that you haven't been hacked, your information is not out there. If you think your information is not out there, there is a, I'd say, 70% chance that it is somewhere lurking on the dark web. So whatever you do, you need to make sure you change your passwords. Make sure you're checking your credit reports to ensure that no one is using your information. And you can't constantly use the same password over and over again for multiple sites because there is ways to grab that information as well. And when someone grabs that information, especially from a site that's not using SSL, you are literally screwed. Okay, talk so, about SSL. Step back. SSL. A lot of my listeners may not understand what that, what that is. So SSL uses certificates. The certificates are what is used between, for example, when you use an HTTP, you have a certificate for the client and the server. The SSL actually verifies this information for anyone who's trying to connect. connect. It's like a mutual authentication to ensure that they are who they say they are. And when a site isn't using this and they're just using regular HTTP, then you're not secure. These are the sites that are constantly hacked and because how there's does, nothing protecting there. How does somebody determine if the site is using SSL? There will be a lock at the top of the website, the web page. Like if you look at Google.com, there's a lock there. Okay, so up in the top left corner. In the browser. In the browser mm -hmm. uh, bar, you'll, you'll see something with that. Now, you said that there's a 70% chance that your data is out there on the dark web somewhere. Um, for my listeners who are not familiar, and we have corporate listeners, we have, I have people that run eight-figure businesses down to somebody at home. Let's just step back. What is the dark web and why do we need to care? The dark web is basically accessible by using, for example, spiritual software. A lot of people will use like a chat session in order to access it because if you use like a RSC chat, it can allow you to gain access to other people that are trying to stay hidden within systems. You know, you can also, there's also, um, I'm trying to think besides RSC chats. There's also websites, if you look deep and hard enough, they'll link you through multiple sites until you actually get connected to the dark web in order to find additional information. 
there is like, for example, if you were to go to not trying to, you know, slander anyone because Reddit is a good site. But if you were to look on Reddit, if you look in certain areas, it can link you to these areas where you can gain additional information. I have found a lot of things about a lot of companies just by looking on Reddit. Really? There has been times, yeah. <laughs> um, there has been there has been actually um, people that are really ethical hackers, and they'll turn around and let companies know that they're vulnerable to different types of different vulnerabilities that they have found just by lurking through their site. And the thing is, a lot of companies will get a little upset about it, and they do nothing about it. They act like it never happened. So this is when majority of the times, if one hacker can find it, someone else will. And once someone else does, guess what they're going to do? They're going to attack your systems. So beyond passwords, what can you do to protect yourself? What can companies do? Companies can make sure they're enforcing policies, for example. Make sure they're patching your systems. And whenever you're patching your systems, do not just test that patch. I worked for a company a long time ago that did this. They just test the patch, and when they test the patch, they sent the system to another location and later found out it had 1,025 vulnerabilities. After I told them they needed to test the entire system. So this is what happens when you patch one section and think that that patch is not going to open up additional vulnerabilities into other areas. So you need to make sure that you're properly testing your systems. Make sure your personnel is trained on security. You should do security awareness training once a year or twice a year. It goes by the type of data that you're actually trying to protect. Um, you need to make sure that you're doing encryption on your, your servers. Make sure that your systems, your laptops that your employees are using, make sure that that data is encrypted. You know, they can encrypt it. There. There's lots of programs out there. For example, Microsoft has one where, you know, when you shut down your system, it actually, it actually encrypts everything, and that is free. And so there is things out there that can help companies. It's just the fact that companies are actually taking the time to look. You need a trained personnel that actually understands cybersecurity. They understand the things that you're dealing with and can come back and give you a better idea how to protect yourself so you, at the end of the day, aren't the ones that's getting hacked. Dr. Stephanie Carter said something that I, I thought was totally brilliant. She said, the reason cybersecurity has become such uh, a problem is because people like convenience. They do. And that's what hackers like. Yeah. <laughs> because when it comes to convenience, that is the easiest way for hackers to get into everything that you possibly own. Because, because you make you it wanna... easy. Because you use the same you password. So and I have seen people that I have tried to work with them. This is when I first started out in security. When I try to work with them to set um, passphrases, for example, for encryption, they were literally just about to flip out. I have one guy that literally beat his keyboard because he couldn't come up with a simple passphrase that was secure, and he wanted to keep using the same thing over and over again, and you cannot do that. People like convenience. They want things simple. But if you want things simple, this is how attackers get into your systems, and, it, and then at the end of the day, you're going to be the one upset because you didn't properly protect yourself. What other kinds of things can people do to protect themselves? I mean, everybody's heard of, well, I hope everybody has heard of antivirus software and anti-malware software. But recently in the news, it's been don't install Kaspersky, which was yeah. the main software for decades that was considered one of the top end ones. Are, are there some that now are considered better than others? There are some out there, but you have to be careful. 
Um, it's better to do your research before you actually select one to go with. You need to make sure of if they've make sure of if they've had any type of uh, breaches or, or anything. Make sure that they're actually properly going in and making sure they're creating the the necessary. Um, I'm trying to think of my words. My words not coming to me. Um, making sure they come in with the. Are, are there sure ones that, that you like better than others right now? Right now. I prefer not to say what I'm using. I <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. I understand that. See, but that's also something important for people to think about, right? In a public yeah. way, you don't necessarily want to post on Facebook. Like, you don't want to tell Facebook when you're away because yeah. criminals hack, look there and hack there. You don't want to necessarily say, I'm using Kaspersky. We'll just use that one because we've said it out loud and nobody should be using that right now anyway. But um, exactly. not using that one so people can find it, right? Yes. Signatures. That's what I was trying to come okay. up with. I See, I knew if I took you around it, you'd get the word. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, I don't like to say the things that I actually have on my system. Um, and that's mainly because we're on a live radio broadcast, you know, and I'm one of those people that because of who I am, people enjoy trying me. And I do enjoy basically passing it back because you don't get to attack my systems. It's fun. It really is to go back and look to see what's going on. You know, there is times where, as an ethical hacker, we have to be careful of the things that we do. I can sit here and I can literally search and find all the information I want to find out in a matter of five minutes. So I try to keep things to a minimum because I know it's really easy to dig too far into information. And I'll say it like that. I uh, <laughs> wonder what you would find if you started searching out on me <laughs> <laughs> do you want me to <laughs> sure go ahead at least i'll know if i'm if i'm where i am vulnerable you know what i mean <laughs> yes and i think that's important for people to understand that hiding your head in the sand does not mean you're not vulnerable it just means you're ignoring the fact that you are vulnerable that is so true and you can't ignore it because it's not going to go away so, and that's what a lot of people think. If they ignore it, it just goes away. They don't have to deal with it, which is not true. And they feel that about everything in security. So, I mean, there's a lot of people that are that way, and it's mainly because they don't want to take the time to properly protect. I think that's a total tweet. Ignoring it doesn't make cybersecurity go away. That's true. <laughs> it just makes it even more needed because you've ignored it, and now a small vulnerability has become a major vulnerability. We'll be right back with more from Dr. Chanel Suggs. I need way more time for this episode. <laughs> Success comes from not only what you know, but also who you know. Welcome back to It's All About the Questions with award-winning author Laura Stewart. Chanel we were talking about this whole concept of ignoring it doesn't make it go away and that in the cyber world, a small intrusion can become bigger. How does somebody determine if they've even been hacked? There is actually, um, well, one way to determine if you've been hacked is to make sure when you're going through your system, for example, if you do the scans with the actual antiviruses that you're using, it will determine it as well. Sometimes you'll get pop-ups on your systems, and if you get pop-up on your system, your system is compromised. For example, if you're not even on the web, you're just on your system, and you get a message that pops up. 
there is a problem there. If your applications are running a lot slower than it should be, you need to dig a little bit deeper down in there to see what's actually going on with your system. If you're constantly getting crashes and you don't understand what's really going on, you need to check that out as well. Okay, so it's a matter of paying attention to your system, but what if it's a deeper hack on uh, if you're in a corporation and it's not on your desktop, it's on the server level. BIOS? Yeah, it, or in the BIOS, even the, the part that runs the system. So you're not really seeing it, but they're watching everything you're doing. Is there any way of knowing that? So what? Go ahead. No, go ahead. So when it comes to trying to detect that, that is a little bit harder when you're looking into the BIOS. That's the reason why people like me go to school for so long in order to gain a better understanding of things. Because you have to literally dig down in the weeds to actually see what's really going on to your system. You can actually boot it, for example, in command prompt to see what is actually going on step by step. So you know whether or not there actually is a problem with your BIOS. Does that make sense? It, it does to me because I'm a yeah. geek, you know, although, I, you know, I did, that's my background. I understood everything you said because back in the day before you even started going to college, I was helping people go through all that. But, <laughs> but it's the best way, right? Right. It's the best it, way it, for you to really tell. It really is. And Windows has made it so much harder to get there than it yes. used to be. And I still remember when DOS was the only thing that was there. I had computers after mainframes that it was two floppy disks. One had the program and one was your storage area. <laughs> that was that was a, a long, long time ago. Tape and, and all those other things. Let's talk a little bit about your company, Wyvern Security. Why would somebody hire you? They would hire me because I have employees that have the necessary skills that they would need for cybersecurity, um, vulnerability assessments, network security, all the way down to um, hacking as well as forensics. So before so make, a hack, people want to yeah. engage with a company like yours before a hack, not just wait till it happens, correct? Exactly. But typically, companies want to engage after it's happened, which is <laughs> not good. So it's better to engage before it happens. That way you don't end up putting your, all of your data at risk and possibly shutting down. It was an interesting conversation that we had at the ISACA conference. Um, I think it was Stephanie that said to one young girl, young woman in the audience who wanted to get into cybersecurity, and she said, you already are, she was a programmer, that I think one of the best things we can do is prevent not just react afterwards. I agree. And and it sounds like you set your company up for not only after the fact, but before the fact, too. You really want to educate people on how they can prevent these things from happening. Yes, because that's important. Because if you prevent it, then your data doesn't become at risk. Once a company is hacked, they fail to forget that once that data is stolen, the next thing that happens is your reputation. And when you lose your reputation, you lose your revenue because the public is not going to trust you anymore. So that's something that companies should think about when they're not doing their due diligence. Is it very involved to begin trying to prevent these attacks from happening? Can somebody start small or has this become this massive, overwhelming task? 
It goes by how large your company is. The larger the company, the more overwhelming it will be. But if you start at the beginning, rather than waiting later to actually get things entwined within your organization, then you'll be better off. Because you've got to think about it. If you start out small, you won't have as many devices, right? But the bigger your company gets, the more devices you will have. And if you don't secure them in the beginning and you just keep adding more to the, to the case, basically, then you're setting yourself up for failure. Oh, that, that raises a really good point. You mentioned devices. Everybody yeah. has, and I'm holding my phone as if people can see me doing this, and we're radio, so you can't, since I don't have the cameras on in the studio. They think that their phones are secure. And they'll go to public Wi-Fis. They'll just do all sorts of things on their phone. Are the phones secure? No, they are not. And I think that this year we'll probably see more hack, mobile hacks. And if you notice, a lot in the news, there's been apps that has been put up on the App Store where there's actually been a lot of malware that's been installed on them. And people are installing these on their phones not knowing that they're infected. So I think that when it comes to that type of issue, especially with these App Stores, they need to do better checks of these applications that's been loaded onto the store in order to protect the clients. How does the user know if their phone has been compromised? Because it tends not to react the exact same way a computer would with pop-ups and things like that. I would say the best thing to do is to actually do um, forensics. And I know that's taking it far out there. Um, Because there's mobile forensics that you can actually do on your phones to see what is really going on. Um, that a lot of the tools that people, there are some free tools out there, but there are some that you pay for that you have to understand. Sometimes you get what you pay for. Yes. <laughs> I have to say it like that. Um, but there is ways that you can look into your phone to see what's really going on and try to see if someone is actually in your system sending out messages that you don't even see, for example, on your phone when you're looking at it. And they actually send it out in a different way to others as far as like taking all your contact information and sharing with multiple people. Which is never a good thing to have happen. No, it's not. So we're coming to the end of the show, and I want to make sure people know how to reach out to you if they have questions, if they need to engage with you, hire you, or if it's somebody interested in getting into the cybersecurity world and they're not sure how to do it. I know that that is a passion on your heart is to help people get into the field. So how do people reach out to you? They can reach me at Chanel Suggs, com. I like that you and, did a shortened version of your domain, wyv.com. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it was just it was better that way because I have two domains actually that's linked to my company. I'm working on one now. I'm working on my domains now for the Duchess of Cybersecurity, and I'm hoping that once I get that fully developed, it'll allow others that are looking for mentors to actually come onto the site and get the help that they need to help them to, one, create their career, um, get the additional help with certifications and help to map things out, as well as companies can go in there as well to talk to security experts. That is my goal. It hasn't happened yet, but I'm working on it. I, I love it. And say your email one more time. It's Chanel Suggs at wyvsecurity.com. And that's C-H-A-N-E-L-S is in Sam, U-G-G-S. Okay, everybody. Yes. And that'll be up on my website as well. I, I want to thank you so much for being here, um, Chanel, because you add a level to the cybersecurity conversation that I haven't heard in a really long time. And we couldn't get into it very deeply on the show because we just don't have enough time. So um, we're going to have to have you back on the show at another point in time, if that's okay with you. 
That sounds good to me. Let me say one more thing, though. Absolutely. Whenever someone is using SSL, just know that this is used creating an encrypted link between that browser so and to identify that company. Whenever you're trying to go to a site, make sure you see that log there before you start entering your information. That's all. Okay, I love it. And they can know that they're doing that? Tell them again how yes. they, where they should look? There's a lock at the very top. In a web browser, there's a lock on the very left side of the actual web page. When you look in the web, if you go to the browser, you'll see a lock up there in the very top. Okay, and, and also it should say HTTPS versus exactly. HTTP. That's just another yeah. way in case you can't differentiate the, the lock. For some reason, you don't have your glasses on like I did the other day, and I'm like... I can't tell. Oh, wait, wait, there's that extra character. There's an etch. I couldn't see the lock, but <laughs> then I went and got my glasses and all was good. <laughs> also, verify your links before you click on them. Anyone sends you a link in an email, make sure it's, an, make sure it's a real email, a real link and not a fictitious link. Oh, that's another great, great tip. And with that, we have to go. Thank you, Dr. Suggs, for being here on the show. Anybody has any questions, reach out to her. Remember, the right questions can change your life. So what are you asking today? Have a great day, everyone. Hug someone you love. You've been listening to It's All About the Questions, starring Laura Stewart. Connect with Laura at itsallaboutthequestions.com and download a free workbook that will help you ask better questions starting today.